You are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Man, hello and welcome into the Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley, Jake Mastriani with you after what felt like a tale of two games, to be quite honest with you. The Braves were able to avoid a sweep in the losing streak and get out on the road with maybe a little momentum behind them, but it was a very eventful afternoon's worth of baseball over at Truist Park, and we're excited to recap it, discuss it with you, and of course get you set up for the weekend series against the Milwaukee Brewers. As always, we Bring as many of these to you as we can here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. You can get the Braves postcast and so much other great stuff. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. Click the bell to get notified every time we drop a new episode. And if you like what you hear here, well, you're going to love what you hear over at Locked On Braves. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Jake, a busy afternoon for this Atlanta club. And again, I can't help but feel like I watched two completely different games all inside two hours and 29 minutes at Truist Park. Yeah, this entire series. I mean, the the amount of the the games that you watched in this series were just so crazy, up and down the emotional roller coasters. But this one in particular, I mean, a pitcher's duel for mm-hmm. nearly two thirds of the game, and then a slugfest, home run derby broke out late. But fortunately, the Braves got the last uh, laugh in this one and avoided the sweep. Yeah, and they definitely needed a few laughs because, as you mentioned, it's been a very frustrating series, and it felt like the Diamondbacks were the ones who were getting to have all the smiles by the time the first couple of games were done. Uh, Braves lost to Slugfest, then the offense went a little bit quiet in Game 2, and it felt like both offenses were going to be pretty quiet in this one because we did have Spencer Strider and Zach Gallen on the mound. Let's get inside the line score and the box score of Game number 95. Diamondbacks with this loss, 54-43. and 43. They did take two out of three in the series. Five runs, six hits, no errors. They left four men on base. Braves now 62-33, and 33. seven runs, eight hits, no errors, and one left aboard. Kirby Yates picks up the win in relief, but again, that doesn't really tell the story of this game. Miguel Castro takes the loss in relief. Maybe that sort of does. I don't know. We'll get to that. Rice at Iglesias' 17th save was a little bit of uh, dramatics in the ninth inning, but able to throw a scoreless frame, close the door, and secure the Braves' win. Two hours, 29 minutes, time of game, 38,791 fans in a steamy hot uh, park there in just looking for what I thought was going to be a pitcher's duel. We expected it to be a pitcher's duel, and Jake, it looked like a pitcher's duel. He had a perfect game going for Zach Gallen in the early going. Meanwhile, you had Spencer Strider just striking out just about everybody he faced over the first five, if not six innings. Yeah, it looked like maybe the most dominant Spencer Strider we've seen all year long. I mean, there was one point where I thought, is he going to go for 20 today? Is this going to be the day he goes for 20? He was that dominant. And then, yeah, just hit a wall there in the seventh inning. Obviously, hindsight, you look at it, reaching 90 pitches, maybe one of the hottest days of the year. Uh, you know, maybe should have got him out there, got him out of there a little bit earlier. But I mean, just the way that he was going through the first six innings, I mean, I just I didn't think yeah. he could be stopped the way he was pitching. So uh, certainly, you know, don't want to make any excuses for him and certainly don't want to put this on Brian Snicker because of the way that Strider was throwing. And it just seems like it's kind of been like this for Strider this year. You look at all the metrics and the data on Strider and the strikeouts and his XFIP and all that. And all that says he should be running away with the NL Cy Young, but it just seems like there's a moment or two in each and every game where all of a sudden, you know, his last start, a couple of bloop hits driving three runs in an inning or a couple of home runs. uh, The hitters kind of run into like in this one, a three run Homer the first home run of the, of the career for Dominic Canzone there. It just seemed like that type of stuff is happening. That's keeping his ERA from getting down to where it needs to be for him to really be in that Cy Young, discussion not that that's what it's all about but just trying to make the point i mean he's so dominant but it just seems like in these starts this year 
it just seems like there's that one inning, maybe that one at bat, where things just kind of get away from him. Yeah, it does seem like that. And I think you bring up an interesting point because it's always like the difference between being average and good, good and great, great and elite can just be those one or two moments in a game where, you know, the next level of progression for your career, the next level you're striving for, the bar that you set, which, by the way, for Spencer Strider is a pretty high one. You know, that is kind of that point of delineation where you would like to see a few of these moments maybe happen a little bit more infrequently. And I'm sure I can speak for Spencer Strider saying that that was not how he wanted that seventh inning to go. But kind of circling back to you know what where the Braves are right now, we know it. I mean, I talked about it on Twitter all afternoon. I mean, this is a bullpen that's decimated by injuries, does not have the depth that it needs, has been tested time and again. It's been a tough series for that group. I think they needed that seventh inning out of Spencer Strider. And the way he was pitching, even on a hot day, you felt like he was going to be able to give it to you. It just didn't work out. His final line, six innings, four hits, four earned runs, a walk, and 13 strikeouts, two home runs. Both of those, they came back-to-back in the seventh inning. There was a walk, a stolen base, and a hit by pitch as Corbin Carroll and Christian Walker got on base. And as you mentioned, Dominic Canzone, first home run of his career, three-run shot that took a one nothing Braves lead and put the Diamondbacks on top. Then back-to-back, Emmanuel Rivera snuck one over the right field wall. Neither of these home runs were tape measure shots, but it doesn't matter how far it went if it leaves the park. And for Spencer Strider, I think he was just left a little bit bewildered, and I'm sure the Braves were pretty, you know, I guess frustrated would be a good word for the whole weekend, but seeing a one nothing lead in a game being pitched so well start to slip away from them. But the bottom of the seventh inning, Jake, we saw the Braves' offense start spoiling the day as Zach Gallon's perfect game was already gone. The Braves had already gotten on the board, but they needed an answer. And a guy who's been providing a lot of answers for the Braves over the last two months is Matt Olson. First of his two home runs was a two-run shot to get the Braves back in it. And I think we need to take a moment to just really start to reflect on the season that Matt Olson's putting together and the kind of moments he has been having of late. He's been great. I mean, again, I think he could be in the MVP discussion. I think he should be. You're looking at a 944 OPS, home run leader, uh, right at uh, RBI leader in the National League. I mean, these are all numbers that point to an MVP type of candidate. And what a big home run it was there because you mentioned the big blow in the top of the seventh. After the Braves had finally gotten to Zach Gallon, they got one of those hard-hit balls to mm-hmm. not land because no balls were hardly landing in that di- that Diamondbacks outfield with the way they covered ground out there, but got one to leave the yard and get on the board and probably should have had another one in that inning as well. Base running mistake by Michael Harris. So that kind of put a little bit of damper on what momentum the Braves had there, and then the Diamondbacks come in and punch you for four just like that, and the way the series is going, you're thinking, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> and then here comes Matt Olson, and he gets that big two-run homer against the Braves' right back in the game and you're thinking okay we got a couple innings left to play with here with our offense you feel much better about your chances so Matt Olson again two homer game he's been doing it all season long I know he had a little bit of a cold streak there maybe in the second month of the season but I mean for the most part he has been delivering in exactly the way that you need him to and especially since he's got moved out of that two hole he has really taken off there with home runs driving in runs doing exactly what you need your first baseman to do. Yeah, he's been locked into the middle of that order, and it's been a great spot for him. And so his home run got the Braves to within a run, and then you were able to finally get Zach Gallen out of the game. They did, again, a little bit of damage against him late, but this is when, as I was talking about, it started to feel like a totally different game. The four runs against Spencer Strider, that felt like the pendulum swung in a different direction for these offenses because the Braves' offense did some serious work in the seventh inning as you had the Olsen home run following an Austin Riley triple. I don't want to go a whole postcast without mentioning Mm -hmm the big guy legging out the triple. like I think that starts to fire you up a little bit as well, and hits were hard to come by. But then you go into the eighth inning. Corbin Carroll gets a two-out home run off Kirby Yates. All of a sudden, the the punch-counterpunch of the series that you mentioned was right back in effect. So in the bottom of the eighth inning, Miguel Castro was on. 
Michael Harris is second, doubled. He was out there with two outs still. Ozzy Albies works the walk. And then I think the one guy in this series that you wanted to see with runners on base and the bat in his hands with a chance to do some damage, it was Austin Riley, a go-ahead three-run homer, his fourth long ball of the series. And I know we've touched on it a couple of times already this, this week so far in the series. And hopefully going forward, we'll talk about it a lot more. You're waiting on that Austin Riley hot streak. This series is about as red hot as you can get. It was, and it felt like the right guy at the right time. But then he fell behind 0-2, and, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's a little bit of a question there. Is he going to be able to get it done? And then Castro leaves a slider over the plate. You know that's not where he wanted that, but Austin Riley is able to stay back on it and has the power and the strength to take it out to left center field. I mean, this was this was his series. Is you know, maybe as cold as some people think he, he was, or he, he really was before the All-Star break. I mean, he really made up for it in one series here, homering in every game, coming up with some big clutch hits when the Braves needed him. I mean, again, we talked about it, the ups and downs of this series, the punch, counter punch, that home run from Corbin Carroll, like you said, kind of swung momentum back into the Diamondbacks' favor. You get two outs, and Ozzy with a good walk. You know, you got to give credit to Ozzy there, who doesn't always yeah. like to take his walks. He did so, brought the hot guy up to the plate, and Austin Riley comes through once again, and then Olsen follows that up with another big home run. Another thing on Olsen and these home runs, you had one, a, a fastball middle down that he takes out to left center and then got a mistake pitch in that he's able to pull out to right field. So you just love to see that that side-to-side -side power for him. But Austin Riley, what he did in this series, I mean, uh, again, with all the struggles that they had, not necessarily offensively, but just coming back and continuing to come back against this Diamondbacks team, and he finally gets that big blow. I mean, the Diamondbacks wanted to keep it right there, down one. But as you mentioned, pitching change didn't matter. Brought in the lefty to face Matt Olson. He hits one out to right field. And both of these, I mean, most Matt Olson home runs are majestic. I mean, you almost wonder, it's the old major league joke. Did he hit it too high or did he not? I don't know that he hits them too high. I know he hits them a long way. And, and for this day, two more home runs gives Olson 32 on the year. Only Shohei Otani with 35 has more in Major League Baseball and up to 80 runs batted in, which matches Adolis Garcia of the Texas Rangers for the most in all of baseball. That's what Austin, or excuse me, that's what Matt Olson is doing these days. For Austin Riley, the home run was his 20th of the season, so another 20-homer campaign for him. Uh, plenty of baseball left to be played for him to make the march toward 30 and beyond. And Orlando Arcia with his ninth home run of the year, I thought he had a quietly nice series, and you wanted to see that from Arcia, who had started to cool off maybe a little bit in the latter part of the month of June, but is still capable of getting some big hits, making some big plays for this Braves team. And as you get into the ninth inning, you knew you just wanted to see that door get shut, but one out walk, then a single. So there's two men on. You got the tying runs aboard. Rysel Iglesias, he was able to find a way to escape. And, uh, you know, as I've said many times, you know the shirt. I'm not wearing it today, but this is saying you can win ugly. You can't lose pretty. And the Braves, they'll take the ugliest win they could get to end their four-game losing streak. And going back to 2017, that's the last time you'll find the Braves having lost more than four games in a row. And I think, Jake, they want to keep it that way. They do, and hopefully it continues. You mentioned Iglesias, and earlier you mentioned all the injuries in the bullpen. I think that puts a lot more stress and pressure on Iglesias to just be perfect when you have these close games late because there's just not a lot of other great options out there right now that you can trust. So glad to see him be able to shut things down there, even though it got a little bit scary. Walked batter after he was way ahead of him. That just can't happen. And then McCarthy sneaks the ball through the right side as well with Olsen holding the runner at first base there. So, uh, again, want to see him come out and be dominant. He has the stuff for it. I mean, upper 90 stuff, a, a nasty changeup, a nasty slider. I mean, he has all the makings to be a dominant reliever, and he has been for the most part. So good to see him be able to bounce back after a rough outing in game one of this series and slam the door shut, get the Braves a win.
Yeah, it feels like for Iglesias at times this year, the chase pitches that he has, they're not getting chased. And some of the ones that should be chased and swung on and missed have been put into play, and he's had some bad, bad ball luck. And I'm not going to chalk up every single outing to that. I'm just saying a little bit of that goes a long way in terms of making it more challenging when you come in. Maybe then you start overthinking it, and it changes perhaps the way that you're sequencing stuff. But uh, to your point, there's been a lot of oddball stuff that was on display in this series. Two strike hits for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'll be happy to not see those guys in the batter's box for a hot minute. I mean, the next time the Braves see them would have to be in October. And based on how these two series between these two teams have gone this year, the six games, three apiece for both sides, it might be a pretty wild postseason series. So maybe for both clubs, that's going to be the case. We will find out. But for the Braves, ending their four-game losing streak, avoiding the sweep, getting out on the road to face the Milwaukee Brewers, we want to get you set up for that game. Uh, but before we do, I want to remind you about one of our great sponsors. This episode of the Braves Postcast is brought to you by eBay Motors, who remind you that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Sounds like the Braves. And it's the same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As we look at the first of the three games against the Brewers, and Jake, as you look at the schedule for Atlanta, they're going to see the Brewers again at Truist Park at the very next weekend. So we're going to get a long look at this Brewers club. The opener of the three-game series Friday night, Michael Soroka on the mound. He's 1-1 one one for the Braves, a 540 ERA. Freddie Peralta, the righty, gets the ball for the Brewers. He's 6-7 and seven with a 441. Should be an interesting matchup for Soroka. I think it's just continuing to you know get back to where you were, continue to check the marks of making progress, getting your reps in, and, of course, being competitive, which is the number one thing for him. I'm certain... I don't need to speak for him, but I'll do it anyway. Freddie Peralta is kind of an up and down season. He's got better stuff than the record in the ERA would suggest. He does. And, you know, he's dominant or he's capable of going out there and putting together a dominant outing. So certainly got to be wary of that. But this Braves offense, we know they can go up against just about anybody in all of baseball. And it's a pretty good hitters park there in Milwaukee. So an opportunity for hopefully the Braves offense to continue what they've been doing for the most part, other than that middle game of this Diamondback series. So and I just, you know, every time Soroka goes out there, it's it's wishful thinking. It's hopeful thinking. I don't want to say wishful because I think it's there, but we all kind of hope he gets back to it. We're all rooting for him, want to see it, but I think it is just about him going out there and getting reps while he has the opportunity. I mean, look, with some guys coming back, you know, it may come to a point where, uh, you know, he may lose out on a rotation spot depending on what happens the rest of the way. A long way to get there with Freedom Wright hopefully returning soon. But, and you know, this is an opportunity for him to just continue to, to work back, and hopefully he does that, and it's another step in the right direction for him. Yeah, looking forward to that. And, of course, Max Freed is going to take another step toward his return, which could be sooner than later. Could be as soon as next week, to be honest. I'm going to check him out in Gwinnett, see what start number three of his rehab assignment looks like. That's a little bit later on Thursday night. Uh, worth updating the standings for the Braves, who, despite going into this cold spell, losing the final game before the All-Star break, losing back-to-back series, they've got a 10-game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies as of the conclusion of Thursday's win over Arizona, 10 and a half games over Miami. So even though the Braves have stumbled a bit, the rest of the division, though the Phillies have heated up, credit to them, they still haven't been able to really fully take advantage or take a big enough bite out of the Braves' lead. So hopefully Atlanta can right the ship, go out and have a good road trip. They're going to stop off in Milwaukee and in Boston before coming home to see the Brewers again at Truist Park next week. But Michael Soroka looking to get it all started on Friday night. Game one of the three-game set, Freddie Peralta on the mound for the Brewers, an 8-10 first pitch between those two clubs at American Family Field. That's going to take me probably three to four more years to get used to. I'm assuming that name is going to stick. But that brings us to the end of the Braves postcast. The name never changes, nor does the YouTube channel. 
Uh, so make sure you subscribe right here to Lockdown Sports Atlanta. Make sure you click the bell to get notified and make sure you click like. Leave us a comment, tell a friend, all those good things. And make sure you subscribe to Locked on Braves wherever you get your podcasts. He's Jake Mastriani. I'm Grant McCauley. We look forward to catching you again over the weekend as the Braves hit the road. And until then, everyone, so long. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 